right, welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. My name is Austin Chadwick and co-host is Chris Lucian. And today, excited to have John Reed with us on the show to hit uh, some awesome topics, uh, including uh, discovery trees for visualizing work, iOS development and technical practices along with those, and finally working on an XP team. So I know John was excited to share about that. But before we jump into those, John, do you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction to yourself? Oh, the short version is I'm the author of iOS Unit Testing by Example, and currently work as a coach and trainer at Industrial Logic. And um, most of my development experience has been in Apple land, whatever that has been over the years. Nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited to jump into kind of the mobile technical practices. But before we do that, um, I'm really curious, also really curious about this, uh, you know, visualizing work with discovery trees. Uh, it's been something, uh, you know, visualizing work has become very handy to me uh, in, with uh, mob programming and such. So I'm, I'm curious what you got here. What's on your mind? Well, it's funny. Uh, you had Dustin on, Dustin Thostenson yes. on a few weeks ago, or uh, and he name dropped me and mentioned a, a, a thing, but he forgot the name of it, which was Discovery Tree. I happened, so Dustin and I were working together, coaching together. Um, and I, I happened to read this blog post by Quinn Gill and Ron Cortell called mm. Discovery Trees. Um, and they are part of the crew in Seattle uh, around Fast Agile. And so I was very curious because, I, you know, it's like, I, I, I love learning. I, I want to keep getting new ideas from folks as, the, as they find good things. And I read and I thought, this is interesting. So I gave it a try just by myself, um, coding personally and a live coding uh, uh, streaming thing, which I do on Twitch. And um, it was interesting. I learned some things about it. Uh, and I happen to also work with Steve Quo and Paige Watson uh, at Industrial Logic, who are also part of that Seattle part of sort of Ron's, um, uh, I don't know, posse, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and what it is, is basically, uh, it's like both lighter and and deeper than than user stories on a card mm. you know traditionally you'd write out like uh, a card with a just a, a title on it and um except there there are a lot of pieces to anything to any any story there are always lots of pieces and so it it's it's not a, it doesn't seem like a revolutionary idea, but it's a simple, effective idea to just have like, okay, let's put the top card at the top. And now let's, what are the main components of that? Like, what are the main things we need to do to get this done? Well, you break those down into, into the next tree and you say, okay, so what are, of this, what are we going to start with first? And you say, okay, this one, this, this subsection, for example, maybe it's, um, we need to upload some data. Okay, what do we need to do that? And you start breaking that down and put some cards under, under that until you finally get to something that's like, okay, here's something we can probably knock out in you know, the, next, uh, the next round. 
and um i i like it very much i especially i think what i like about it is the tree shape that it is mm. moves away from things in a flat list mm. adding the extra dimension means you can you can have that breakdown and it's very natural very easy to understand and when dustin and i i shared it with dustin uh and he and he said let's use this uh, with the client uh, we were working with, because uh, the developers we had had a tendency to get lost in the weeds, really like, you know, oh, what about this and what about that and uh, oh, da 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 da, um, and so I said, okay, let's let's focus by deciding what it is what is it that we're going to work on right now. Yeah. Well, it's this piece. Okay, what do we need to do that piece? Well, we need to do this, this, this. I'm like, great. Go ahead, put those down. And now you can get them out of your mind. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you guys uh, are into uh, getting things done, GTD. Uh, David Allen's uh, sort of technique of... of uh, he says, your brain is for having ideas, not for keeping track of ideas. And so it's like, get the thing out of your head, whatever the details are, so that you can then not worry about them. Because otherwise, your brain is spending a lot of energy like these developers were doing, saying, oh, you know, we can't forget about this particular thing. Like, it's got to have this key or, or um, you know these credentials or whatever the details are. So uh, I'm liking it a lot and also using it now uh, as I code. Oh, Chris, you're muted. <laughs> ah, um, can you go through, you know, maybe just for everybody uh, what it's like to create one of these or, or um, mm -hmm. You know, I guess like what's what's the conversation like? How how did it you know how does it emerge? Because um, I mean, so I think this is very similar to um, maybe discussion trees and other things, other tree form diagramming systems. Um, but maybe uh, for people to visualize who are listening, um, what what process did you go through to create it? Uh, is there a, a process of decomposition? All that stuff. Um. I think it's as light or as heavy as you need it to be, much as, you know, like any of our lightweight tools, uh, uh, you don't want too much and you don't want too little. Uh, our process right now um, in the, the team that I'm actively coding in now, not as a coach, but as a, as a coder, uh, is we pick the next story, okay? Uh, and the it's just sort of a, a open space, it's a, it's a rectangle in a, a, a virtual whiteboard. And we slap down the first card and say, what do we need to do this? And, and have a, a, a conversation. Um, it's also where, where I find now it, it, it's getting a little confusing to me on the story that we're currently on is that the initial cards came about from conversation with the uh, the company that we're coding for. Uh, it's like, how does this feature, 
Like, how do you want this to actually work? And a whole bunch of details came out and we tried to slap them down, but we haven't done real good curation on this particular one. And we've ended up like with like, uh, oh, here's an important thing. Um, uh, how, you, how you show work in progress, in a virtual whiteboard, it's as easy as changing the color of the card. So if you have like a little note that's like, um, these are things to do and uh, that's one color and the uh, like, like light yellow is what we're using. And when we start work on something, we change it to an orange color. So you should be able to see ideally in a tree from the top down uh, through, through to the leaf node of what you're actively working on, what, what is the work in progress? Mm -hmm. And somebody can see it at the, at the top level, like a, a manager could breeze in and say, I don't care about the details. I just want to see, okay, you're working on this facet of this feature. Got it. Whereas for the developer, it's like, okay, we're down here at this leaf and it's all going to come together. And then um, uh, when they're done, you know, mark them green, mark blockers red, mark questions and something else. Um, it's probably probably similar to a lot of other things. There are there are also I think similarities to the Mikado method in a way, um, except that the Mikado method is really about like you discover the work to be done and then you you do a hard reset mm -hmm. uh, so that you can start from the leaves backwards. Um, and this doesn't prescribe that, but they can fit together. Yeah, yeah uh, your, your story about um, teams kind of going off on tangents and things uh, r reminded me of an experience. And we actually used a very similar technique uh, um, there was, uh, but this was for a product owner that was having a hard time kind of articulating everything that they wanted and, and would often go into the weeds on something that wasn't, you know, or, or revisit something over and over and over again, that was already on, you know, discussed. And so, uh, we used kind of discussion mapping, um, and, and worked through, uh, you know, basically like, oh, we, we've already talked about that. See, it's already on the, the map and it was a tree. It, it kind of started from like a root, a root node and, and, and broke out. And so, um, yeah, there's something very elegant about, uh, trees and, and mapping, uh, conversations that way. Nice. Yeah. And I, I think I'll throw in that, um, I love, uh, the sharing of this, uh, discovery tree, discovery tree. It's fantastic. And, what, what's so cool about it is that uh, I think there's like different things, like you're saying, in the same ballpark that we've kind of stumbled upon that uh, have very similar uses and benefits. And for lack of a better term, I'll just call it discovery drawing because it's just like almost completely free form uh, mm -hmm. in the sense of just, hey, uh, what are we working on? Or, hey, how do we share with someone else what we're working on? Uh, and we just get on a, a whiteboard or digital tool of some kind and just start drawing and how much good comes from that. And one thing um, 
that some of the teams I've been on, we've called it like graphic graphic Kanban. And it sounds like discovery trees have this aspect of it too, is that it shows what's completed versus what's in progress. And, um, and so when we just end up start drawing things, and I love how the discovery trees you talked about too had prioritization, because that's key, right? Because you could break down, you know, a big, you know, big thing into medium sized things and feel like, oh, this next medium thing, next medium sized thing is the next thing to work on. And that's very important from a lean perspective to do in a, in a particular way, because a, a bad thing would be to break a giant thing into a thousand little things without uh -huh. prioritizing as you go, because you might be breaking down something you never work on, right? Because it's, <laughs> you know, low priority. So I think, you know, as with many of these things, how it's drawn and facilitated could be very lean and, you know, extreme or programming not, or the opposite. Right? Yeah. 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 So it's just a tool. It doesn't have very strong opinions about. No. Yeah. yeah. So what, what are, I guess, what are some, um, have you ever seen it misused and gone sideways and how did you help bring it back? <laughs> um, more like, like right now, I feel lost on the current tree we're on because okay. it's not exactly, yeah. it, it's got like, here's a work in progress and here's a work in progress and here's a work in progress. And there are all these different nodes and, um, and actually it probably shows that the tree is malformed. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I get off of here with you guys, I'm going to probably go back and <laughs> start reshaping tinkering that around with it yeah. yes yeah say no okay what's related to what here because it it, it just sort of spewed out as a bunch of details no. um and i think part of it is and and it's in the name discovery is that you don't have to put down all the details if you have a detail in your head by all means get it out like mm -hmm. stick it down somewhere right. but you don't have to you can say that will come later let's not worry about it now. Here's what we're focusing on. How do we break this down? The next node. Mm -hmm. Nice. No, no, that, that's good. And I think the discovery is a really good name for that. I like that, that piece of it a lot. Cause that makes it clear that this is in a, another way to draw a waterfall plan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's quite fantastic. Um, yeah. And actually, um, I would be curious to dive deeper into this but I'm also um, curious to not run out of time and I want to get to some of your other topics. So uh, I think let's switch gears and um, how about we jump into iOS development and technical practices? Uh, what was uh, in here, John? Yeah. So I am kind of a, an odd animal in iOS land <laughs> that there aren't too many of us that I've encountered who are into uh, the technical practices. Uh, there is, and you, I, actually a question I wanted to ask you, I'll, I'll describe what I see in the mm -hmm. iOS community. And I'm curious, is this peculiar to the iOS group or, or is it more widespread? And that is that um, there is a fascination with like, uh, language particulars mm. and um, like, you know, there's obviously you want to get good at iOS. Of course you do. Um, but that becomes the sole focus. And uh, I think there's the emphasis is on 
um, the created artifacts, that is the, the source code as outcome, rather than on the creating part of it. The act of creating, I think, has gotten lost. There doesn't seem to be a lot of conversation around, um, okay, so, so if you want to make a particular view, what are the steps to go about making that view as opposed to here's what the, the, the final outcome looks like and everyone just sort of copies it. And so I'm curious, you know, do you see that in other communities as well? That that uh, uh, focus on on the created rather than the creating. Uh, I I think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, so I'd say that XP practitioners. Um, maybe are, are typically like uh, language and platform agnostic um in, in my experience when i when i run into them so uh you know so and, and then i think that this idea of um you know so i believe the ios ecosystem is very um uh it, it kind of it's very dense in the sense that it it uh, has a lot of gravity. It sucks people in. Um, and so, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn and it's very particular to iOS. And so in my experience, when I'm, I'm kind of comparing it to other things, um, I think platforms, uh, cause I, I, I think that Microsoft does this too, in a sense, and, and some of the other, uh, bigger ones out, bigger languages out there that are funded by corporations, they try and, and, uh, it's it's almost kind of like a vendor lock-in a little bit in my opinion um <laughs> and so so learning those uh those specifics might actually be you know something of a corporate strategy like they they are introducing language specifics that are are substantially different than other companies to make it harder to switch off of their platform um and so uh and i think xp practitioners often will you know, are forced to work in different languages or, or, or work. Across. And so, so there's this, you know, I think that there's like a, a vast majority of software developers out there are, um, are maybe specialized in an area and, and focused on the language that they operate in. Um, and then I, I think there, there's another group that is more interested in um, longevity or code quality over time. So it's like producing, 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 producing versus um, maintaining and not necessarily producing as much, but making sure that it lives for a long time. Um, and I think that those are uh, are fairly opposed learning paths. And I think the producing path is the one taught most frequently, or at least has been uh maybe um you know in the last however long but but more recently has been shifting towards more of a, a thought of longevity but whenever i talk to an academic about about teaching things about code you know it's uh one thing that i point out often is that in in a university students are given a project and they have to just crank it out as fast as they can and then once that semester is done, they never think about it ever again and then throw it away. Like all code well, they're is well away. suited for the corporate culture. Then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, so one thing um, I use, I like to use the ship of Theseus analogy, um, you know, so the ship of Theseus, the idea that uh, the planks of wood on a ship are re gradually replaced over time. 
you know, and and it, it, due to maintenance and things, you know, is it the same ship? Uh, I think of that as in terms of software teams. So, uh, you know, your software product lives for decades and the people like the planks of wood are regularly rotating through um, and being replaced over time, either through retirement or moving on to another opportunity or whatever. And so um, most software, I think, being worked on today uh, is not being worked on by the original team that started it. Uh, at all, right? It's been, they've long since retired. Um, and so uh, I think there's this, um, I, I think people gradually learn that things like XP are important because longevity becomes a focus later in their career. Mm. And earlier, no one's taught about this stuff. So um, I, I I think that's where it, where it might be coming from. <laughs> that was a lot of thoughts all at once. I'm sorry. <laughs> and unfortunately, Apple... Um brings its its history its culture with it where the original in in the old days there was one customer and that was steve jobs yeah uh and that's all that mattered was pleasing pleasing him (laughs) Um, in fact he had a special category in the bug database um for things reported by him (laughs) uh but uh xp was not uh, part of their culture. Uh, there's, I know there's a group uh, inside that's um, working to try to spread these ideas internally, but they have a tough slog. Uh, and Apple itself puts out a lot of tutorials and sample code and how you know, like even walkthroughs in their famous uh, annual um, WWDC videos now that they make where it's like, look, watch me um, like make this. And people are like, ooh, ah, you know, it's like in how how few uh, keystrokes can create this um, this game or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of thought about like, how is it designed? How is it testable? How is it... Um, uh, coupled or 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 loosely coupled, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, in fact, some of their some of their examples lean so far into, uh, like here's a class that does half a dozen things and is tightly coupled, and they sh- put it out there to sort of show off their this the strength of the programming language, their programming language, and their platform. It's like great, yeah. Good for you. So, and, it, and it's intended to be like people should receive it in that spirit, I think. And if you do, right. it's great. There's a lot to learn. You know, yeah. take it apart, learn from it. But people, because it comes from Apple, assume then this is the way. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think a lot of language features uh, in Apple produced languages. Um, are are actually uh, you know a, again I might you know 
roast me in the comments for this, but um, the, uh, you know, I, I think I've seen a history of um, language features and, and systematic features uh, from Apple products to be vendor lock-in mechanisms. Um, you have to understand esoteric certificating processes to uh, be able to publish, right? It, it, you know, and so, and it's like, oh, it's not that certificate, it's this other certificate. A lot of that, it, it, kind of creates a fear of like moving on to something else. And I think that um, that there's a little bit of that inside of, of the Apple ecosystem, but because I think it's just like the iPhone, right? Their language features are also um, meant to be, you know, very like sexy and I'm going to just do this all for you so you don't have to think about it. Um, and, uh, and I think that long living software products uh is you know is not sexy to people getting into programming so so i think it's a combination of get all the new people and and then and then make them afraid to change um and which which is kind of the iphone strategy but i think that's reflected in the code as well so um you know, again, personal opinion disclaimer here, <laughs> but uh, I've done I've done some iOS development. And I've also written for other platforms, and um, and I, I think that the the pattern that I've seen is that it's it's just it's the Apple marketing strategy baked into their tooling, um, and so yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff about it, but. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, again, systematically, I think that this is, this starts as a problem with our uh, education system. New developers are not being taught the value of XP and it's hard for them to see the value of XP because they don't know, um, they've never experienced a project longer than a semester or two. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, what I think universities should have students learning on is, uh, you know, their assignments should be written as a part, a component of a long li la living code base. Um, and, you know, th that code base could be architected in a way that allows for extension by students that would, you know, gradually take on their assignments as um, some larger functioning machine. So, you know, because I, I think by the time students are out of school, most of them have no idea that a majority of the software they're writing will be a, a small percentage of some larger system that will live decades past their the end of their career um, uh, that had lived before <laughs> decades before the, the, the beginning of their career. So um, yeah, I, I, I think that that yeah, the educational system lines them up mm. and then and then Apple attracts them and then, and then locks them in, and I think Microsoft does this too. I don't. I don't think this is exclusive to Apple because there are there are things in Microsoft that do the same thing, um, and, and you know other like corporate sponsored stuff. Like I, I think like Angular, you know Google and Angular uh, do this a lot as well. They're you know they just call things different names so that when you're re when you're searching for it with the real name, uh, it's you know you don't know right like the uh the, the official name for it so, so you know, I guess but, yeah as, as someone who lives in the crossroads between xp and ios development uh i i would make two appeals uh yeah. one is to the any ios developers who are watching this show uh <laughs> if you're like hearing about 
this thing XP for the first time. Uh, come learn what it is. It's it yeah, is yeah. so good. Um, uh, and for for XP enthusiasts, hey, uh, maybe like next time you get a chance to work on an iOS project, jump in uh, or adopt someone who is like take yeah. mentor someone who is, and and uh, I I really think that that there is we're in danger of losing the the art uh, of of creating something rather than just ending up with a bunch of artifacts that happen to work today <laughs> yeah 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 and i i'm not a super extensive mobile developer but i mean i've got a couple years in my belt and what's interesting is given the context uh where you know we're doing mob programming we're seeking to do extreme programming and so we've always approached mobile development from what things exist that allow craftsmanship and uh, test-driven development things to be built in. And so I, I, I'm a very uh, strange animal in the forest when it comes to iOS development, because I'm used to picking platforms where it's easy to test. And you know, <laughs> there's less duplicate code. It'll transpile to iOS and Android, so you don't have to write it twice, you know, and, and things like that. And I know that's, that's less common. But I think, um, I, you know, I, I feel I've seen the the XP Lite uh, partway through my career, and it really was such a huge game changer in making my life uh, as a developer way less painful and way more enjoyable. But once I've seen that, you kind of see it from a system perspective, right? And so from a system perspective, and I think you're hitting at this, Chris and John, is that um, like a from a clean architecture and system perspective, vendors are doing what they're incentivized to do. They're trying to sell product and have people use their product, right? So of course, they're gonna make a tutorial that's geared towards that um, and not necessarily towards maintainability, right? So, but from a clean architecture perspective, every vendor, every language, every you know library you pull in, it's all an implementation detail. It is not the heart of any system you're making, right? Mm -hmm. But if, and also when you're coming into the market, that's the kind of cool, exciting stuff is like to learn how all the, you know, the implementation details. And so I think a combination of all those things leads to this um, thing where, you know, not until you've experienced a lot of pain that you start looking for, is there another way to do this? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. And so what I guess uh, we've kind of talked about the problem a little bit, and maybe before we switch topics to the last thing, uh, what, what has been your experience with uh, technical practices in iOS development? What, what differences has it made for you as an iOS developer? Um, there there's certainly been some battles uh, like along the way, uh, I've written the, the tools that I wanted yeah. <laughs> uh, when it was possible. Sure. Um, uh, it was easier in Objective-C days uh, to, to create new things uh, because of the nature of a dynamic language made things like, uh, like I, I wrote um, the Objective-C version of Makito because I wanted it. <laughs> I, um, but one of the, I think the biggest barrier that uh, people get used to not fighting is feedback time. The, the length of the feedback loop. Uh, is people working in Swift get used to long compiles. Mm. And um, once it goes up to a, a build server, 
it's usually even slower than your local server because the build machines are, are they're just using cheap virtual whatever, or they're running on Mac minis, right? They're not, they're not the nice um, uh, M1 or uh, better MacBook Pros uh, that are super fast and optimized. And so that, that, that's slow. Um, and people get used to it. People just get used to saying, oh, well, now I'm going to, you know, let my mind wander or I'll, um, I'll, I'll, while I'm waiting, I'll start something else um, and, and increase my whip. Uh, <laughs> or I'm just going to like get bored and start scrolling Twitter. Um, or no, Mastodon. That's where I am now. Come find me on Mastodon. Um, and so I think the, the main battle for me has been um, finding ways to decrease that, that, that feedback time, like, like really being aggressive about even fractions of a second. I love it. Yeah, and that's, to me, that is so huge because uh, it's, if ever I'm in a team or a, a mob or ensemble where, yeah, that build time, no matter what the text being used, is slow. It oh, it leads to so many. It can it le it makes it easy to lead to so many anti patterns, right? And if you can really speed up that feedback loop uh, for build, for test, for all the things, it is it makes such a phenomenal difference in developer experience, right? Because it becomes more fun. It's like oh, let's try this, let's try that, let's try this, let's try that. Oh, revert that. All right, push that. Oh, now the customers are using it. Like everything's just humming, and and I think. If you've never experienced it, you're kind of like, oh, well, that's, you know, you just wait a while and that's how it always is, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I, I'm very excited about that becoming more of a thing in all mobile development, uh, including iOS. And so I'm really, uh, really excited what you're bringing to the community. So keep bringing it. And uh, I guess maybe to transition to one of our last topics, um, the, the joys of XP, bringing that to iOS development. And now you're finally working on an XP team. So tell us about that. <laughs> it's kind of funny because, so my journey with XP has been that I learned about it years ago, um, uh, started reading on the C2 wiki uh, about it and trying to apply as much as I could, but I, it was all the solo practices that I could do for the longest time. It was just, you know, the coding stuff. Um, and I, I even like went to, this is decades ago. I went, went to a talk where a guy was talking about XP and I went up afterwards, where can I find any place that works like this, please? Uh, and the, you know, it was a very slim list. <laughs> and, and so, um, oh, along the way, uh, as, as I got better at the, at the, at the coding practices and I started teaching about it and I started teaching workshops, um, which consisted of like everyone following along on their own computer coding. And then I'd run around and help with questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I happened to take uh, a workshop from someone you may know named Llewellyn Falco. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And and he used this completely other style of mobbing. And I was like, what in the world? This is fantastic. <laughs> and so that 
that changed how I did, how I did teaching, how I did workshops. Mm. Uh, I used it from there on out, loved it. Um, so effective. And then started, you know, in that, that was the only context I had mm. for uh, what, what mobbing was like was only in a workshop setting. So I never had it for real work until a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I guess it's been a couple months now. Um, uh, there are a few of us uh, at Industrial Logic who instead of teaching or coaching are actually on a gig for a client. And so naturally we're gonna work the way we wanna work. And it's like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do, we're gonna have dynamic teaming, we're gonna have mobs. Um, and I walked in there and it was like my beginner's mind lit on fire <laughs> because all these things that I've taught and that I've taught teams, these are good for you. And I've, you know, taught them the, how to, how to rotate and stuff, basic stuff like that. Experiencing it has been a different deal for me mm -hmm. to realize, uh, uh, it's, it's like, um, Morpheus in, uh, the matrix, right? Uh, it's one thing to know the way it's not the same as walking the way or something like that. Um, like, oh, and, and it's interesting that my first experience on this should be remote. Mm. Because for the longest time, people said, well, pairing can't work remotely. Yeah. Well, absolutely, it can. Well, this other thing, mobbing, it can't work. Well, absolutely, it can. Yeah. And it's the only experience I have now. Um, uh, part of the joy has been to discover things like, you know, if I need to like step out because I need to use the restroom or my wife needs me for just a few minutes, um, I just say bye and I leave. <laughs> and the work keeps going. Yeah, yeah. The work keeps going. It was just so amazing to come back and realize nothing stopped while I was away. <laughs> this was a revelation for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm also, also we're doing uh, trunk-based development. Uh, this is, again, my first time to experience what that's like. And for, for folks uh, watching or listening, um, basically this the the industry has adopted pull requests as the way to code and it's unfortunate because pull requests was invented and is useful to accept code from people who are not on your team from mm. people who you don't know who they are <laughs> <laughs> um, people who may not have the context you have uh, it's not a it's, it's like an anti-team. It, it's, it's deliberately an anti-team procedure. <laughs> yeah, born in the open source space, right? Yeah, like it's great all, for that. you can't trust the person. So you have to, right? There's, there's a lot of stuff that's like just built around mechanisms to prevent hackers from doing things and stuff, right? We don't want to accept changes. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what you'll push? And so getting in there to where the alternative 
again, this this is probably not new for any of your listeners, but I imagine like I'm going to bring like anyone I can, of course, to to watch this episode uh, from from the iOS side of things to say you don't have to work in a system that was designed to inhibit people from actually working together. You don't have to, you can actually like talk. And then when it's good and you're green, your tests are good, you push. And if you, it's like, oh, you're out of date. Um, Mm. Someone else pushed, that's okay. You pull. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, and stuff going up in, it's funny the the rule of thumb for like what is continuous integration uh they say yeah a developer integrates into the main branch once a day <laughs> and and i'm thinking wow that i think is just it's like marketing speak to appeal to people who uh are used to um uh, only getting in like once a week yeah and i'm sorry <laughs> It's it's every few minutes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, it's the funny thing totally is, is I, I think that um, you know, just to kind of riff off of that, uh, the, the branching strategies that we have today, I think, have all been based off of teams that that just had a hard time following like solid principles, right? Um, and and other things like that, or they're working in the same file, right? Mega files. I think just mobbing in general, um, well, XP teams doing mobbing don't end up making files that are thousands of lines long and therefore don't end up working at the same time as other mobs on the same file uh, in those thousands of lines. So, so you don't get merge conflicts. And merge conflicts were a big reason, I think, why branching became popular in the first place. Um and so it's almost like the entire industry has forgotten what it's like to work in a solid code base that is decoupled and highly cohesive, right? And and uh, or or maybe that just never existed. But um, you know, I, I think that you know, mobbing naturally tends to make files smaller because people are trying to make it so they can hold less in their head, and you naturally implement design patterns which allow you to extend easier without working on the same file that leads to not having uh uh you know merge conflicts which leads to uh, a absence of a need for branching which leads to trunk-based development which leads to faster integration which leads to fewer bugs right like there's just so much good that just kind of naturally kind of flows out over time so love it it all clips together yeah yeah Yeah. all right uh well i wanted to mention uh about my experience is um, that there are folks uh, who, even if they're like in a virtual room uh, as we are right now, um, they keep their cameras off because, and there's been all this um, new literature or, or stories about people getting like Zoom fatigue and all that. And I read a great tip from Martin Fowler recently that I didn't know about where it's like, you hide yourself. So right now I'm looking at my screen, I see you two. Mm. I'm not looking at my face and therefore being distracted by like, you know, oh, how do I look? Um, 
uh, and stuff like that. And I've found, I tried it as an experiment and I found, oh gosh, this really does keep me uh, more energized. And I don't feel as tired um, by, by worrying about how I look and it's more natural. It's, yes. it's much more like a simulation of being in the same room with you two rather than being in the same room and looking at my mirror. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Yeah. Use those tools. Why not? And, uh, and to, you know, that's all day long. We're coding mm -hmm. like this. I used to go around the office with a mirror and every time I talked to somebody, I just stare at myself while talking <laughs> to them. And it was actually really effective at simulating the remote experience. <laughs> <laughs> Chris really wanted badly to do remote mobbing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and one more thing on top of that is uh, I've seen companies, especially in the pandemic age where everyone went remote, where people felt lonely and isolated and they had to set up these like uh, social hours or game times or whatever. And it's like, well, what if you were actually like in the same room and it doesn't all have to be about work. You could like yes. tell a joke <laughs> or, or share something about your life. I'm finding yes. I'm socializing a lot Yeah, uh, where I never did uh, in the corporate siloed environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we are coming up on time, but maybe I'll try to tie it all together because I feel like there's this overarching theme kind of all coming together here, which is, you know, because I find the same thing, you, you know, if you're embrace, you know, your inner humanity at all, before you start coding, you usually say like, oh, how was your day? What, what are you doing tomorrow? Or how was your vacation? And, you know, you, you get that socializing for free, right? And the jokes for free. Um, but, you know, I, I see with the discovery trees, the technical practices, being on an XV team, mobbing, trunk-based development, I feel like all these things tie it together to make like a fun, fast feedback, you know, mm -hmm. iOS development or whatever you're developing, right? Like, um, like all this goodness kind of comes together. But uh, in light of time, I'm going to turn it over to Chris to help us close down here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, John, do you have anything that you want to plug or share before we close the episode out? Sure. Um, uh at Industrial Logic, I I teach workshops um, usually for pri in private for companies, but there's a public one coming up uh, that's uh, for iOS developers or for people wanting to get into iOS developing. So uh, people can go um, check that out, and and maybe you know it's probably uh, something you want to expense. So ask your company to send you. Um, and uh, on the cheap side, there's my book. Uh, I was right. unit testing by example. Fantastic. All right. Uh, and to our audience, uh, if you know somebody working in iOS who has not yet seen the light of uh, XP style programming, or uh, maybe you know somebody um, you know new to the industry that could uh, do well to hear about uh, these topics, then um, you know please share this episode with them. Uh, if you want to uh, blast me for all the things that I said about the Apple languages, then please leave that in the comments. I'd appreciate that, and I can reply. And uh, um, you know, like and subscribe and all that, and we'll see you all next time. And thanks, John, for joining us. And bye, everybody. Bye.